Thought Bubble Audio. Up in the sky! You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Welcome to Beer with Geeks with Tim and Frank. Who are you? I'm Batman. I am Iron Man. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Hi, Christopher. I'm Nero. My name is Inigo Montoya. You're a wizard, Harry. A couple of guys with a couple of beers and a whole lot of pop culture nostalgia. Make it so, number one. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles! Name the dog in the ant. Life finds a way. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Now sit back and crack open a cold one. Because it's time for Beer with Geeks. It comes in pints? Shaken, not stirred. Great Scott! I was way off. I knew it started with an S, though. Hi, and welcome to Beer with Geeks. We're too geeky to got with beer. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my man who loves a bit of academia. It's Frank. How are you today? I am doing well. I am feeling very academic. Uh, just go ahead and play the pomp and circumstance. Um, yeah. It's almost more official coming from a teacher, you know? Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. You are, um, uh, Ac- you know, academicized. Academicized. Sure. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. You have graduated. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. Frank, what are you drinking today? Today, I am drinking what I think might be my new, my favorite new discovery of this winter. Um, which is, I don't remember if this beer has been around before, but I'm going to call it a new discovery anyway. Um, and it's the Sam Adams seasonal white holiday, uh, sorry, holiday white ale. Um, it is a citrusy and hazy white ale. Um, and, uh, it's uh flavorful ale is your trusty plus one smoothing things over with orange peel and holiday spices. And, um, I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm not usually much of like sort of the, the, the holiday ale type. Um, but this is so like the spices add such a nice flavor, such a like sort of, um, I mean, it says orange peel and, and holiday spices. I mean, I'm getting sort of like cinnamony coriander, like that, that kind of, um, uh, flavor to it. Very like mm-hmm. almost like like pumpkin spice, but, but, but not quite that pumpkiny. Like it's, it's just, it's a really nice balanced, um, winter, um, winter beer that I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try and stock up on these and, uh, and have them for the, the rest of the cold weather. That sounds excellent, Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going off topic. Uh, and by off topic, I, I mean off drink topic, sure. I guess. Sure. And because we're going to have a little bit of an academic bent uh, yes. to this episode, I'm drinking some hot black coffee because what mm. says academia more than just a cup of hot black coffee? Just like John also, Mulaney's dad. Uh, one black right, coffee. One black coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing grosser to a kid than one, one black, black coffee. coffee. All right. So, well, Frank, today we are um, uh, we are introducing a new topic and I'm introducing a new topic to you uh, as well. We're going to call this segment Cervasia Academica, Ooh. Ooh, which really just means beer academics yes <laughs> like yeah um and that sounds actually more like we're going to be talking about the academics of beer we are not um i just like the beer with geese um you know connection there i love that uh but fr- 
Frank, you know, uh, you're a smart person, and sometimes I feel like we just need to talk about smart things. Um, and uh, I was thinking to myself the other day that when I think we were talking about Superman or Superman 2 or whatever, and we end up kind of rolling into this way of talking where we're like, yeah, that's a cool moment, and yeah, that's a good thing, and that's a good bit. And, like, we love our good bits. Like, that's okay. Good bits are good. Um but there's like there are there's deeper ways to talk about stories, um, and so I actually want to so I want to introduce one of those uh, ways today, and then we're going to cover a, a tried and true topic of ours and see if like what we can peel out of it that we don't normally get. Nice. So, so instead of that first layer of the onion, we're getting many layers of the onions. So. Um, so anyway, so we're today we are going to use what is called Dante's theory of vernacular rhetoric, which is a very fancy way of saying this Italian poet came up with this way of looking at stories and how we um, and how we can analyze them. And so, and to talk about with this, we are going to analyze Star Wars because it is a tried and true topic on here. We've talked about it a bunch. Um, we had a Star Wars podcast that recently wrapped. That's right. Uh, and so um, I thought that, you know, it would be a good place to start. So, Frank, for, before we even get into um, Dante's theory of vernacular rhetoric, do you know anything about Dante? I have read The Inferno. Oh, good for you. Excellent. Yeah. I read earlier this year, as a matter of fact. Yeah, good. Well, that's right. I, I, I actually remember in, that. In 2021, right. I should specify. So not this year, but last yeah, year. Yeah, that's okay. But, you know, within a year of mm -hmm. me asking you this question, you have that's read right. it. Um, so, yeah, so he was this, uh, so he's most famous for writing The Inferno, um, which is, you know, um, you know, the going through the nine circles of hell and where that idea comes from and blah, blah, blah. So, but he was also, because he was uh, quite literary he was like, how do I look at stories? How are we supposed to look at stories and, and what's important about them? And so we came up with these five things or these six things. The plot, the writing style, the end, uh, the author, the title, and and applying it to philosophy of any kind. Those That's basically it. So let's just um, – so I'm just going to roll down. Let's start with the plot of Star Wars. Now we're going to talk New Hope, right? You know, like let's, let's – you sure. know, because we can go back. Let's start with Limit original recipe Star Wars. That's right. Let's start with the plot uh, of Star Wars. Does it make sense? <laughs> I mean the plot – yeah, the plot's actually pretty straightforward. If you boil it down to like one or two sentences, right, it's like – Farm boy comes of age, uh, joins the the rebellion against uh, a, an evil empire, uh, discovers that he's uh, that his destiny is is tied to the destinies of others, um, and uses his skills that he learned on the farm to take down the uh, the empire with uh, the, their 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 smallest weakness. You know, you just actually pinpointed something that I've never really thought about, but he literally uses the skills he learned on the farm, he right? Used to, he because used to bullseye shooting... womp rats in his TC-16 back home. Yeah, uh, T-16. T-16, oh gosh, yeah, womp, whatever. T-16, TC-16. That's an entirely different ship, Frank. Leave me I alone, nerds. I'm a Star Wars fan. <laughs> I'm not a ship's nerd. Um, so, um, okay, so that's true. Um, that's a But who is the point of view character in Star Wars. Mm. Like it's it's technically Luke Skywalker, right? Like because he's the one that leaves the farm to go off and have the adventure where somebody's like 
constantly like, oh, well, this is this, and this is this, and this is this. And so he's your point of view character. But we don't get to him for like 20 minutes of the movie. It's true. It's true. But I guess it is. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It, it does take it does take a while for us to get to him. That's a valid that's a valid point. But who else would yeah. be the I mean, like, that's all sort of table setting. So, so, so you understand like the world that he's world building. So you understand who he is and what he's, you know, what his connection is to all this. Who else would the would the point of view character be Leia or, or not Vader? It technically C-3PO, mm. right? Because okay. he's there. Okay. For all the big events, he and R2-D2 see the whole thing because, like, that's who we start with. That's our opening character. And because we don't ditch him, he is literally there in almost every mm-hmm. single scene, even if he's not saying anything. Like, he's kind of it's our true. point of view character. Both of the um, droids, I guess, kind of are. And, and in, in a, I feel like Lucas has actually said that in a way he kind of considered. Now that, now that you're jogging my memory that he kind of considered them the the point of view characters in a way. Yeah, I think actually Anthony Daniels also got like mm. super mad when people would leave them out of stuff because like to him the especially a new hope the whole movie is Luke with his like droid buddies. Yeah, yeah. Like and so I think he might even have I wonder if anybody's done a breakdown of like how much screen time has C3PO has oh, in relation to other characters. He has the first line in the whole saga. Right? Yeah. And you know, and he's appeared in every film. And I mean, we're only talking about this one, but I'm pretty sure that like we we know that R2D2 is both like there's like a the, like R2D2 is basically writing Star Wars, right? You yeah, know? yeah, and yeah. There's like that whole thing. Um, but you know, just going off of like going from Dante, the the point of view character is kind of Luke for the audience to be like, oh, this is this, and this is this, and this is you know, like this is you know, this is it, farm boy. Let me explain all these things for you. But as far as like like the almost like the narrator. Like in who like in who that person is or who you're really supposed to follow through the story, uh, it's C three PO and and it's then you know yeah I guess for the narrator it's R two D two because what's Luke's real motivation? You know, like he wants just to leave, right? He That's wants a, to he, leave. He, has... he wants to leave and he wants to be a pilot. Those are the things he wants. Yeah, he really yeah he has no. He doesn't care about saving the galaxy at all. No, no. Like, I mean, at the beginning, he's like, "It's not that I don't, you know, not that I like the Empire. I hate it. I just, you know, that's not what I'm signing up for." Like at first, that's, that's not what he cares right. about. Right, which is so funny because that he gets so mad at Han Solo for basically saying, saying the, the same, same thing. thing. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you go to care about yourself. I guess it's what you're best at, right?" And meanwhile, you're like, "You literally didn't care about anything until like four hours ago." And I'm like including some like space time travel in there too. Yeah. 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 You know it. But so, but the thing that sucks him in is like when he sees the Leia recording, when R2 plays that recording, that's when all of a sudden he's on, he's on board and like, and, and he's like, we got, we got to save her. And and, and Obi-Wan's like, you have to come with me to Alderaan. And, and well, no, the thing that really does it is when, when Luke and I'm sorry, when, when Owen and Baru are dead, he's like, well, I got nothing holding me here. So I guess I'll go with you. Right. So, it's, so is it a story of personal vengeance now? Like, personal you know, vengeance? because he's not that, he's not really avenging their deaths. No, like, he's not. He it's never actually, mentions them ever again. It's actually more of a, I got nothing better to do. Yeah. He has literally nothing better to do, so I might as well go save this princess. Because 
it's and it's really not altruism because he's like, who is she? She's beautiful. And right. so now he's just like, she's pretty. I, I want to meet her because I'm a farm boy who doesn't know many people. Right. And so if I have the opportunity to meet a pretty princess who turns out to be my sister, mm-hmm. all the better for it. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. And this this old guy here is telling me he knows he knew my dad. So I'm going to I'm going to go with him and see if he'll tell me any I'm, war stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Basically, speaking of um, speaking of uh, meeting Obi-Wan, we meet Obi-Wan on Tatooine, but that is not the only setting of this movie. But why do you think Tatooine is so closely like relate like um, why is Tatooine the planet that matters most in this movie? We're on we're on Yavin 4. We're on the moon. You know, we're on Mm -hmm. we're on the moon. We're on the Death Star. we got a couple of ships here and there. Why is Tatooine so closely related to this film? I think it's because uh, Tatooine is the planet, the first like actual planet that we see in in the uh, in in the saga, and it's where we start to get the most like world building that that we get to experience and we get to witness like it's when the droids land on Tatooine and we see them all the rigmarole they go through to get to Luke you know with the Jawas and everything and then we see Mos Eisley Cantina and all that stuff like that is where we learn about the culture of this this galaxy far far away it's the first you know you learn about moisture evaporators and and the uh, Luke Speeder and all all that stuff and it's all, all the sights and sounds you're taking in of the Jawas and 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 his moisture evaporator farm all this stuff like when you're a kid at least for me that's the first you know aside from from being on on the the um, Tantive Four like that's really the first environment you're really soaking in like the whole the whole surroundings. I guess that's it's a I guess that's why it also registers because you said it's the first real environment whereas like we don't know what it's like to live on a ship right like we just don't like you know you can be inside for a very long time and there are some people who obviously know what it's like to live on ships for for extended periods of time sure. but we don't most uh, most of the general public doesn't have that experience and so you need the hard ground you need this something recognizable sand sky Mm -hmm. you know whatever to to feel like there's um something to connect with yeah you can understand a desert yeah you can especially understand a desert that's particularly um western in flavor yep right you know like you know because it's like oh moss isley spaceport you know like you might as well like they literally go to the cantina with like swinging doors it's like going to the saloon right yeah it's yeah right Yeah. yeah Yeah, there's like the band playing the honky tonk music and it stops and it's like the whole like the whole Western. um, Yes, the whole Western vibe is right there. Um, Let's move on. So that was setting. Um, So we have plot, which we've kind of talked about, but there is archetypal strategies that come into play, meaning there are like certain, you know, twist character, twist endings, ironies, static characters that help move anything would you say is a static character in this movie character that is unchanging but incredibly important to the movie probably obi-wan like does he really change he's already fully formed no i don't think so i don't know if you can because you would assume i think that when obi-wan leaves tatooine or he gets that message from leia he knows he's going to die yeah like right away yeah i think that he's he is aware of his last 
voyage. You can certainly by the time he realizes that's no moon, that's a space station. Certainly by then he knows he's not coming out of this alive. Yeah. Oh, I think, I think a part of it is, I I do think that it's actually when he gets Leia's message because you know he sits back, he thinks for a little while, and he goes, "You're going to come with me to Alderaan." Yeah, true. You know, like, and so it's like I I will not be able to do this by myself because there's something there's something worse out there for me than there is for you. And mm-hmm. so I don't think it's just about like getting Luke involved um, because his whole mission was to protect Luke. So mm-hmm. taking Luke into space is not exactly protecting Luke. Like they're supposed to keep Han there's like to branch into other movies. Um, Obi-Wan is supposed to help keep Luke and Leia separated. And so they get a message from Leia, and what does he do? Well, Luke, you got to come with me. We got to we got to unite these these people. So like he's actually like breaking the like the the protocol that he and uh, Yoda and uh, and Bail Organa kind of decided upon. So, um, so in the context of all of Star Wars, I think he does change. But in this movie, I don't. I guess if you count the switch, where like. I'm cool, and to, ooh, I guess I'm going to die. Um, those would be the only switch parts. I'm actually going to say Princess Leia is the character that doesn't change. I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she is definitely consistent, um, like, all the way through. Yeah. I don't, do you think Leia really changes at all in the Yeah, I mean, movies? I would say by episode six, by by Return of the Jedi, she is a... She's a bit softened. She's, um, I mean, she. We find out she's a force user. We find out that she's his his. Oh yeah, sister. that's true. Like we, mm-hmm. we learn new information about but, her, I guess. But has she really changed? I mean, but she's does definitely her softened. Character change. I she, softens. she softens. Yeah, I think she softens. Yeah, I. That's a yeah. She softens. Um, there's no really twist endings or ironies in, um, in this Star Wars. There's certainly some mm-hmm. in other star wars but not this one no I don't think no no lots of foreshadowing though. lots of foreshadowing yeah some yeah, of it even I'm... you said the t16 back home like he flat out tells you he's gonna blow up the death yeah. star like yeah. yeah like it's not it's not i can't remember who said this it i might have been on rebel force radio with one of their commentaries where they were talking about it's not it's actually not the tension at the end um, with Luke blowing up the Death Star. We can kind of skip to the end here, too, metaphorical, literal, whatever. Um, it's um, it's it, The tension is not whether Luke is going to blow up the Death Star or not. It's whether he's going to trust the Force or not. Mm-hmm. That's the actual tension of that That's moment. True. Because of the foreshadowing, he tells you. He's going to do it because yeah. he's like that's a I, that's no bigger than a t- two meters that's no bigger than a womp rat two sixteen blah blah blah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so it's like, is he going to rely on the computer, or is he going to trust the force? Yes, and and that's where the the tension um, that is where the tension yeah. comes from. Which yep. I like the reading. I like that reading of it, but I I don't know if that's wholly true. Like I still think there is tension into whether like this farm boy from Tatooine can do it. Yeah, yeah. I think that that for a child, that's the tension. The tension is, can he do it? Like, because you are, he is your hero. He is the, he is. You're rooting for him to do the thing, 
as a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the intended audience for this movie, the primary intended audience for when it was made. But as adults watching it now, I think that that secondary tension, maybe the more mature reading of it is is what you just said, is that it's not will he, but how will he? Will he do it by mm-hmm. sort of embracing his destiny or or not? Yeah, we'll actually keep talking about the end here. So Dante's theory, he talks about the end in three different ways. Does it mean anything? Is there any bigger, deeper meaning to the end? Is it a literal ending or metaphorical? Kind of like, you know, like um, the end of Birdman, like maybe he flies at the oh, end, sure. that kind of thing. Um, and is it open-ended or finite? So like, um, does the adventure go on or uh, it's pretty definitive that they're dead and mm-hmm. they are not coming back that kind of thing so we can go in reverse it's obviously open-ended I feel like you know the adventure will continue darth vader spins out into space yeah. it's his that character's not wrapped you know like the empire's not defeated you know like there's still stories to tell with these characters i guess but there is a f- finality to the like it ends with an award ceremony and they're being you know uh, commended for admirable behavior so an argument could be made there is like for our main characters there is some there's closure. It's not open ended in the way that Empire Strikes Back is open ended. It's 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 more mm-hmm. finite than that. But you're right. Yeah, Vader's spinning out into nope. space. There's still I an Empire. Nope. There's all those things. I'm actually, ba- but I'm back in your corner now because okay. the point of the movie is not to defeat the Empire. The point of the movie is to save the princess. Yes, and that's what they did. That's been accomplished, um, and now the- she's giving them a reward. Right, the destruction of the Death Star, all of that, that is like ancillary, it's like B-plot almost yeah. in some way. Yeah. Well, maybe not. I mean, like Leia has the plan, she's delivering them to Obi-Wan. You know, true, so true, true. Like, Yeah, you're right. You're that, right, you're right. In a part of it. But, you know, for characters, though, I guess like that, you know, Luke's mission is to save the princess. He, and yes. he does that. He accomplishes that. Hans mission. is to not be a jerk, you know, and and stuff like that. Oh, I guess Chewbacca doesn't change. That's a static That's character. true. That's true. Yeah, Chewie doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Han's mission is to get them to Alderaan and get paid. And, I mean, well, Alderaan's not there anymore. He he gets them there. He gets them where they're going, and mm-hmm. and he, he does get paid. And then he comes back and actually, you know, does bonus stuff, even after his, his mission has been accomplished. Mm-hmm. That's right. Bonus stuff. Yeah. Bonus <laughs> stuff. Baseball Bonus stuff. stuff. Baseball stuff. I'll be Nomo. You be Jose Canseco. <laughs> I'll be Solo. You be oh. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good with either. I'm good with that. If you had to, if you were like, okay, we're, I'm going to a party and it's Star Wars theme. And someone was like, you can be Han Solo or Luke Skywalker. Who are you picking? I mean, I, Luke Skywalker, it was my like, was like the one I was drawn to as a kid, but I was uh, Han Solo this past Halloween. So there you go. I'm a complicated person. There you go. Yeah. What's your answer? Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, I think I'd be Luke. I yeah. don't like as much as I like Han. I'm like, eh, that clothing doesn't feel comfortable. Like that's not, that's mm. not my bag, baby. Um, so I don't know. Um, does the end of star Wars mean anything particularly? Is it a big th- Like, like a figurative ending, not like metaphorical ending. Not it's. I think it's quite literal. It's pretty literal. The the, the movie is over. Yeah, <laughs> the movie home. is over. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, you could you could turn it into like you know achieve your dreams or something, but I don't know. I, I think it's pretty literal. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's really not. Uh, you can still have a theme and be literal. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, think yeah. it's like you know, like the adventure's over. The end. Yes. Um. Right. 
So George Lucas, the author of uh, of Star Wars, what um, what is the author intent? That's that's so important in stories. What does the author want you to get out of this story? And George has talked about that for a long time. You know, like what he wants you to get out of Star Wars, and that thing is fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, George has changed his tune on that a few times. Because sometimes it's just a fun kids movie. Don't read too much into it. Sometimes it's all about family. Sometimes it's all about uh, speaking truth to power. So it kind of depends on when you what mood he's in when you catch him. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of mood he's in when you catch him, um, did you watch that Boba Fett documentary on Disney Plus? Because uh, there's a new interview with George Lucas in there, like like fresh twenty 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 one interview with George Lucas. I don't think I did watch it. No, it's it's not no, it's, it's not good, part of the Disney good. Gallery series, is it? It's it's something. no, it's its own. It's it's like a half an hour. No, I didn't watch Boba it. Fett, but it's got some cool like prototype suit stuff. Like this Ooh. is what he looked like to sell. It was it was real fun. It was only half an hour, but there's like there's actually new um, footage of George in the right interview. On. Like he's not quite gone yet, and I I liked that a lot. Right on. Um, okay. Yeah, but you're right. The, he wants you to get a lot out of it, but he. Like he wants you to have fun. He wants to be fun. He is looking to push the boundaries of what film can do. Yeah. Um, really, I think his to... intention when he made the movie was to do a Flash Gordon serial style, fun, swashbuckling space adventure um, that had a little bit more substance to it than a 30s or 40s movie serial. That had a little bit mm-hmm. more, you know, of, of a modern modern for the time, 1977, storytelling style to it, but was very much Flash Gordon at its essence, at its core, um, but but maybe higher quality production values and all that. I think that's what he wanted at the time. He may change the story, you know, later and, and, and rewrite history a little bit, but that is what he, like, seems to be the most consistent through line. Yeah. Let's talk about the title Star Wars for a second, and then we'll go, we'll go back and New Hope it. We'll New Hope it. So there's sure, a couple sure. of ways to look at the titles, whether it's literal, metaphorical, um, is there a moral application, is there a spiritual or religious application, and like, and that's how you kind of judge it. Um, Star Wars is not, I don't think it's a, it's not a literal title. The stars are not actually at war with one another. That would be, <laughs> okay. that would be too literal. That is it's too a war literal. in the stars. It is that, yeah, but that's not the title. Like, <laughs> I mean, I would argue it's a literal title. It's literally about a it's war a, that takes place in space. But that's stars. not the title. It is a. It is metaphorical in that What's the, the war is amongst the stars, uh, or that it is amongst people like who populate the stars. I'm just. I'm just messing. With yeah, you. you're trying a little too hard there. <laughs> Doctor Doctor Elbow Patches. I don't know. Literal is like literal to me is like the Terminator. Yeah. Guess what? It's about, it's the, about Terminator. the Terminator. Well, the Star right. Wars like, is about a war that takes place in the stars. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Now here's a. So let's talk a New Hope because the New yeah. Hope is is a little bit more That's, figurative. Yes. Who, who is the New Hope? Is it Luke? Is it Leia? Is it Han, Luke, and Leia together? Is it our main character, C-3PO? Like, is it the feeling that the Rebellion gets for getting their first win? I think it's it's a double-edged... I think it's, it is Luke, and it is like... The, like uh, um, it, it's Luke in that he's a new hope sort of for the Jedi, 
but I think that the the defeat of the Death Star is a new hope for the rebellion, right? Like it, it Which creates is, new hope yeah. for the rebellion. So I think it's it's a double. It is there is a um, there is a literal aspect to it. There is a, an allegorical or or more of a, uh, a metaphorical aspect to it to to the title A New Hope. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's even a little bit more than that. So if you so it's a, a, a Luke New Hope for the Jedi mm-hmm. um, and for the galaxy at large, I sure. think, with the Rebellion, right? Which would then factor in Leia because she's a c- central figure in the Rebellion. But also, I think it's giving Han a second lease on life. And that's also the New Hope that we never really talk about. It's mm. like, you know, because he is so jaded at the beginning of this movie, everything he's gone through, whatever that has been at the, you know, before we meet him in the cantina. And then by the end of the movie, he's wahooing and, you know, like smiles and getting awards and not chewy and, you know, whatever, you know, whatever else. But I think that a new hope is, is just as personal for him as it is for, uh, as it is it's in so large for the whole galaxy. Sure. Uh, yeah, actually, I never thought about it from that point of view, and that's an excellent, excellent analysis of it. I love that. Yeah. I have, honestly, I've never really thought about it either. That's, that's the beauty of, of Dante's theory. You actually get to think about things you have not thought about before. And finally, the last one is a philosophical component, which I think we could truly be here almost all day talking about philosophy in Star Wars. There are books upon books upon books on the philosophy of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know mm-hmm. what to... Um, uh, I think that we could... Like I said, I think we could go all day. Um, but if you were to apply, I guess one philosophical idea to star Wars, like, um, like the relationship between technology and people, what does it mean to be human? What is the nature of goodness or mm-hmm. innate good? And you like, which, what do you think is your, what's your favorite? I think my favorite what is you, what pulls you into a new hope. What mm, philosophically, um, it's tough to just limit it to a new hope. Um, cause more for me, more of the interesting philosophical implications come with, with, with the, with star Wars as a whole franchise, but just to limit to our scope of just a new hope, um, I think it is very much the sort of the Joseph Campbell storytelling of of like the hero with a thousand faces idea of um, being the monomyth. The monomyth uh, that there is one story that's told, you know, a thousand different ways, um, and that that the um, that that basic story is about you know a, a a nobody who gets called up from oblivion into and gets launched to you know the greatest heights. Uh, and becomes the hero for an entire universe. That's right. And that's really what, uh, going back to author intent, that's what George wanted everybody to get out of it, because Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces is instrumental in the creation of Star Wars. Yep. That's George has gone on record. He told Campbell that himself. Campbell was very happy. Like, he was so honored to yeah. that. Like, that was, he was like, I think, he. I remember reading that Campbell didn't go to the movies, really, but when, but he was like, Come on, wife, we're going to the movies. Oh, we need fun. to see what this is all about. I, I yeah. do know that um, Campbell's been quoted as, as saying uh, that the best student he ever had was George Lucas. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Considering that um, Campbell taught in an all-girls college, that is saying something. There you go. Um, so I don't know what George was doing there, but you know that's a story for another day. Um, it was the 70s, man. Uh, right, man. Uh, as far as the monomyth and stuff go, I think you're absolutely correct. And 
Joseph Campbell talks about how we tell myths, you know, myths are, we think that it's, they were made to like give people a reason, like a meaning for life. Like these are the thing, this is why things happen. But he said that people were actually looking for an experience of a life and they want to know what Mm -hmm. that experience is like. And, and, um, we're so focused on what he called the outer life, you know, like got to eat my breakfast, got to get to work, got to do this, got to do this, that we forget about the inner life, Hmm. um, you know, and why things matter, how we're connected to one another and the, what actions that you perform, uh, to the outward world affect you on the inside, but also how you're, it, they make you connected to everybody else. And that is really a new hope, right? The story of a kid who just shot womp rats with his T 16 back home, ended up saving the galaxy because of his pastime. Right. And I think that, right. And I think that is, that's the monomyth in, uh, in a huge way or Joseph Campbell in a huge way. So, Frank, thank you for joining me on Cervasia Academica. Um, yes. This was this was yeah, this was quite fun. Um, where can the people find us? Uh, you can find uh, uh, you know before I tell you where you can find us, uh, I just had to use my one lookup uh, considering we hadn't used any. TC sixteen was the droid, the silver protocol droid at the beginning of Phantom Menace. Oh, I'm TC sixteen. I'm yep. TC sixteen. So that's where my Actually, brain got confused. Ooh, um, I was like, I know it's something. Anyway. Um, you can find us at beerwithgeeks.com or thoughtbubbleaudio.com. Uh, we are uh, we are proud to be the uh, the hosts of of several shows on the Thoughtbubble Audio Network. Us and several of our friends. So please check them out because they do great great work. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at beerwithgeeks. Uh, you can email us uh, beerwithgeeks at gmail.com. You can rate and review us or subscribe anywhere podcasts are found, whether that's Apple or Google or Amazon or your favorite independent podcatcher of choice. We are in all of them. Please, ratings and reviews mean so much to us and help us so much in getting discovered. So uh, please take a moment and and just leave us a, a quick rating or, or or type out a review if you feel like it. Um, and that would be a huge, huge help. And you can support us in other ways uh, with your hard-earned cash at patreon.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio. And, uh, and that helps us to pay for server costs and things like that. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your support of the Thought Bubble Audio Network and Beer with Geeks. And thank you, Frank, for being here. But until next time, cheers! cheers.